Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Welcome to the Great Woman in Compliance podcast with Lisa Fine and Mary Shirley. I'm Mary Shirley, and today I'm pleased to host Mia Rainey. Welcome, Mia. Please tell us about yourself. Thanks, Mary. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So about me is I really fell into compliance while following my husband around the country for his Mm -hmm. MBA and then a job in Atlanta. I'm a lawyer. And I worked for the general counsels of Notre Dame and Georgia Tech in compliance policy and enterprise risk management roles. And then went in-house as a compliance role opened up here at Home Depot. And that's where my husband was working at the time. And so I jumped at the chance to follow him again, but really to a company and a store that I really love. But this time I'm done following him. He can Mm -hmm. follow me next time. (laughs) I love that. Excellent. Thank you. And thinking of you being in the retail space, what are some of the compliance risks that retailers need to be particularly conscious of? Sure. Now, there are definitely risks like inflation, which we have little control over. And then (laughs) there's the brick and mortar versus online risks that we do plan for and mitigate. One thing about enterprise risk management is that it's really never dull. There are always new emerging risks popping up and some of which you can mitigate easily and some are much more difficult to mitigate. What I tell people is if you like current events and strategy and problem solving and heat maps, then you'll love enterprise risk management. (laughs) That's a good point. Thank you for that. Um, I've just noticed earlier today when I was thinking about our interview that I intuitively wanted to say the home Depot, which is actually the way Americans say it. So saying it my way, it should have been the Home Depot. So I'm going to try and yeah get my, my accent back. The Home Depot <laughs> Compliance Department has put a lot of internal compliance communications and awareness campaigns on LinkedIn. What was the rationale for sharing your communications that I'm guessing were primarily targeted employees outside of the company? Sure. When I was hired, one of the goals for my position was to tell our compliance story better, mm-hmm. both internally and externally. I came up with the idea for a compliance topic of the month, and mm-hmm. we decided to post these monthly communications and graphics externally as well as internally to share our compliance story. Home Depot is really one of the most value-based company that I've ever worked with. Mm-hmm. And Home Depot fiercely values its customers, associates, and shareholders. So compliance protects all three, and sharing our compliance story shows how much we really do care about all three. Oh, that's awesome. And no worries if you're not aware of this, but I'm just curious as to the rationale or the motivation for why the company had an interest in telling your compliance story more to the public. I think it just, it really does align with our values and they wanted to make sure that we're getting credit for the work that we're doing and that others know it. So we are really good in the compliance space with sharing. We all share so much Mm -hmm. in the compliance professional world at all of the conferences that we've Mm -hmm. met at and things like that. Mm -hmm. This is just takes it, I think it takes it up a notch where we're sharing what we're actually doing that we can share, obviously, because it's mm. not too private in a monthly cadence. 
That's cool. And what are what's the success story that you're particularly proud of from these communication campaigns? A success story that I'm particularly proud of from our communications campaign really is how our compliance team has been interacting with our associates on our mm-hmm. internal social media. So mm-hmm. we post our compliance topic of the month on internal social media and we get thousands of views and our team is alerted when we get comments and we read them all and we respond to questions. And I really personally believe strongly that compliance should be out there interacting with your associates as much mm-hmm. as possible to help them do the right thing. So I love the communications campaign monthly because it gives us that point of reference to mm-hmm. do that. Nice. And as we have evolved as a profession, it's often necessary to innovate on our initiatives. What are your thoughts for leveling up on these campaigns moving forward? Yeah, one way I think that we could level up on our monthly campaign is to really take on compliance risk areas that we've identified as being important to the business. And we could be then do some, we engage in some part of helping to mitigate those risks through this educational campaign. So Mm. really just identifying what are the compliance risks Mm. and how could we help. Okay, cool. You're experienced in enterprise risk management programs, which we alluded to earlier, as well as corporate compliance programs. How do you explain the difference between the two to your colleagues? Yeah, good question. Compliance is just one small area of the larger world of enterprise risk. So as compliance professionals, we sometimes lose track of that. We Our compliance risks are just one type of risk. So, mm-hmm. so compliance risks are, they can be enterprise risks, but some compliance risks are not. And so we shouldn't really lose track of the company's big picture. And that's what I think of when I think of the difference between enterprise risk management and corporate compliance. Yeah, it's a piece. And often when things go wrong in this space, it can feel very egregious and very public with regulator scrutiny and so on. So it can be easy to lose sight of the fact that if you're a compliance professional, it's not necessarily when we think about risk appetite, maybe we have a small appetite in the compliance space, but there are many other risks that a company needs to be thinking about in terms of future proofing and looking after itself prudently. What is an up and coming issue in the enterprise risk management space that you've been thinking about recently? Yeah, I'm a part of a small group of Atlanta-based companies who meet quarterly to talk about trends in enterprise risk management, Mm. and we happen to meet today. And one (laughs) of the topics today was the merging of enterprise risk management with strategic planning process. So are you merging ERM within strategic planning? Is ERM under strategic planning? Mm. Is it part of it? Are the people who are running your strategic plans running your ERM program? Mm. And that's what we really talked about today, and I really love that. Idea. What was the consensus in terms of where the two sit, or was it? And it depends based on the organization and its risk profile. It definitely depends, but I think that some companies that are doing it that way are seeing a lot of success. Mm-hmm. So I think that when you think about an emerging topic, I think that might be something that more companies might look at. Interesting. And this group that you are a part of, is it exclusive? Is it open to new members in the area that are interested? Members only mm-hmm. uh, intentionally just to mm-hmm. keep it small mm-hmm. not ma- and make sure that no, there's no competitors to the companies that are 
in the group and it's all mm. Atlanta-based mm. companies. Interesting. Little Thanks for that. Off the record round table. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Excellent. Good to have a group of peers and it sounds like you've taken precautions against antitrust risks there and your own sort of confidential plan planning interests to make sure that everybody's from totally different areas. So you've been responsible for a policy governance program previously. What's your number one tip for successful and organized policy management? That's a good question. Number one tip. I think it is a great policy template. Put together a fantastic policy template and then your all your policies will shake out into that template really nicely. And if that template has all of the good things that you want in it, like mm-hmm. building out boxes for applicable Q&A throughout mm-hmm. great graphic, like more info, good contact information, good cross-referencing to other policies. I think mm-hmm. if you can come up with a great template, mm-hmm. that's your first strategy for good policy management. That sounds like really sensible advice. And for someone that may be looking at what some research in this area and thinking about what might be a best practice to include in my policy template, do you have any thoughts on resources or best practice examples that people could take a look at? Sure. I love our template, but maybe that's because we just redid it. (laughs) You can look up the Home Depot's Business Code of Conduct and Ethics. And it's in our policy template and it's publicly available on the investor relations website of the Home Depot. So make sure you find the 2022 version online because you know how old versions run around online. But the Mm -hmm. 2022 version is new and I really like our template um, to give you an example. But yes, pretty much many and I because I've done policy work in the past, I knew what to do. But yeah, many But many different organizations are out there that can tell you some of the key components of a good policy template, and I would definitely take them up on that for sure. But you'll always hear that just besides the template, how it's written and that it's written and clear, and I'm a lawyer, non-legalese is your second top tip. Wonderful. That's one of my favorites as well. And I think that one just goes across the board, right? When you're out of law school, you're trying to use all these fancy words to sound, just make sure that you're earning that in the US, you guys have that Esquire title. Yeah. And so that just seems like it wants to come with big words. And in reality, especially when we're in-house, the best thing that you can do is just move to a more casual way of speaking and like a conversational approach to people when writing emails and policies that, yeah, the average person (laughs) is willing to take a look at and can understand. I love that advice. That's excellent. And so my next question for you is what's something fun and different that the Home Depot has made as part of its global compliance summit in the past? So just for anyone not 100% sure of what I'm referring to, some companies pull together. The word retreat might be a little bit too connotations of spas and relaxation, (laughs) but essentially it's the concept of the compliance department coming together for usually a multi-day meeting. And if you're international, folks and representatives come in from all across the world to have some quality time together and do some team bonding, figure out strategy and align on what you're going to be doing for the future. I believe Home Depot has a global compliance summit. What do you do to spice those up and make it worth all that travel to get there? 
Exactly. Definitely want to make it worth it worth the while. So yes, we do run a a global compliance leads program at Home Depot. So part of my job is to run that program. It includes quarterly compliance leads roundtables and this annual compliance leads summit where we bring about a hundred of our compliance leads from the US, Canada, and Mexico to Atlanta for a day-long conference. And we have outside speakers to share compliance best practices and internal speakers to share Home Depot compliance case studies with us. I think last year was fun. We One thing I got some good feedback from our compliance leads was we played the game Compliance Competitor that mm-hmm. Spark Compliance Consulting does nice. for companies. Yeah. And they ran the game, which was really what, what I loved about it was that it the fact pattern was had so much in the gray and it was a choose your own adventure. So that if you chose a certain answer, it would affect the com- the hypothetical company's stock price and different things. So the teams could be playing against each other to win, but there was no good answers. There were a lot of bad answers there. It was, <laughs> and it's just like real life. We, I think we, I got good feedback from our compliance leads about playing that game. But what I really loved about it was just the in the gray and the mm-hmm. challenge of it. And the fact that it really didn't mimic real life examples. I love that. And I was, I think I've mentioned before on the podcast that to your point that there are sometimes just no good answers. I ended up losing. I was competing against Christy's mom. Christy is the the owner of Spark and she doesn't have a compliance background. So that was a humbling moment, but I think it really does go to show how, you know, how gray that was and how, and I remember thinking at the time, man, this would be so rad for a team bonding type day where it was part of the activities of something like this. So that's cool. And, And I can see it as working well for something like if compliance was presenting it like a sales kickoff as well, something a little bit different where it's either a compliance audience or a business audience and you needed to just do something different as an exercise but I'm interested as well when you mentioned external speakers what is it that what is it that makes you consider someone a good external speaker for an event like that what are the types of things that you're looking for when it comes to planning the program and making it of value to your compliance colleagues yeah, generally what I'm doing is I'm really, as as we meet and as we talk to everybody in the compliance field, I'm just constantly looking for good information mm-hmm. and tools and resources for our compliance leads because mm-hmm. they're doing the hard legal regulatory work day mm-hmm. in and day out in their mm-hmm. compliance area. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that if there's anything out there that we can use to help them that's really practical, that I can bring that to the Home Depot and to the compliance leads roundtables or to the summit. So I'm always looking for books that have practical application and speakers to really understand what they're going through and can help them with whatever is more maybe innovative and mm-hmm. then behavioral or operationalizing compliance and how you do that. So that's really where I'm coming from is trying to go out there and find the best of the best to bring back to mm-hmm. them. I'm not saying that I'm the best of the best, but <laughs> what you're telling me is some really awesome market feedback because I am drafting another book and it's essentially about leveling up your compliance program. So based on what I'm hearing from you is that this is the kind of material that would be sought after by 
<clears throat> colleagues in compliance. So that's really heartening because I have to tell you, I'm at the point where I've thrashed out a lot of content. Now I'm sitting there going, oh, I haven't finished the draft yet, but it's just unpalatable wanting to go sit back down and stare at the, the electronic screen again and see what else I've got in me to give out. So that's really helpful motivation and feedback. Mary, <laughs> finish the book for 2023. <laughs> Fall <laughs> that would be rad and great advice for me there for anyone else who's planning a summit it really helps to get out of your little community in your internal company and make sure that you're really trawling the compliance community more broadly to identify what are the hot topics who's got a new book out that's going to be interesting and that maybe a speaker could talk to and you can invite them in and I think that's a really good one it's a good idea in respect to the fact that sometimes getting in an external speaker can be pretty expensive, some of the heavy hitters, but you might be in a better position to get in, say, the author of a book and make an agreement that you'll purchase a certain number of books. And then as part of that deal, you can get the speaker to come in and speak to their book. And that may end up being maybe not necessarily cheaper than paying a speaker honorarium, but at least you're getting some swag out of it for your team members to walk away with a little treat. If we can right. and a take definitely in a takeaway mm -hmm. for them to reference back. Yeah, exactly. A resource that they're able to take with them. So I love that. Good tips there. And sounds like thinking about your 2023 summer already, which is <laughs> awesome. And I will be inspired to just go sit back down and, keep tapping at that keyboard yes. <laughs> hopefully get to the end that's great Mia that brings us to the end of our time today I've so enjoyed chatting with you and looking forward to seeing all that you do the continuance of your great work and thank you for being a great woman in compliance oh, right back at you thanks for having me <laughs> thanks take care Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.